0: This is the Find Your Focus podcast with Shootproof. We chat with inspiring and creative entrepreneurs to encourage, empower, and equip you to take the next steps in your photography business. We want you to leave each episode with actionable steps so that you can gain confidence, book your calendar, and earn more income with your passion. So grab some coffee or your drink of choice, and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I'm Logan Faye and the host of the Find Your Focus podcast with Shootproof. Today I'm talking to Tyler and Kirsten, who are both lifestyle photographers and are pros at capturing the heart of the story. This is an extra fun episode, not only because we have two guests, but also because Tyler and Kirsten have been friends for over 10 years and they are pretty hilarious together. Tyler was Kirsten's mentor, and she shares a story that everyone needs to hear about a session that Tyler had her do. They both talk to us about why day-in-the-life type of sessions are important and how to find the heart of the story. Let's get started with Tyler and Kirsten. So today's episode is a little bit different because we have two guests instead of one, which I am so excited about. So welcome, Tyler and Kirsten. Hi, Logan.
1: Hi, thanks for having us.
0: Of course. So tell us about how the two of you met and where each of you are in your photography journey
1: kirsten tells all these stories better but well i forgot what year it was do you remember what year it was
2: i think it was 2010 but i okay. could be wrong
1: yeah it doesn't really matter nobody really would know so we'll just go with 2010 so it was in uh in 2010 at the uh foundation workshop which was a uh, really intense uh documentary workshop for um non-documentary photographers like back in the day. And it was a really, really amazing thing. And I was a team leader and Kirsten was my student. She's going to tell the story about that because it's a better, she tells it better, but that's, that's when we first met.
2: Yeah. I had been about 10 years into my, I don't like that word journey, but I guess it works. My <laughs> journey. And it was time to find a new mentor and, Take my storytelling seriously, so I decided to participate in the foundation workshop. Tyler was my mentor, there were two mentors on there, but he was the team leader. And yeah, I do tell this story that Tyler is always with me, not you know, just in memory or thought, but like I feel like he's physically always with me (laughs) when I'm shooting because I had been assigned this really exciting groundbreaking newsworthy assignment called the bowling alley where (laughs) being incredibly facetious, (laughs) it was a 24 hour bowling alley, which Tyler did a very good job of talking it up. And I think I shot there three times. Like I did a daytime shoot. I did late night to see who would be bowling at like two in the morning or three in the morning. That was quite interesting. And then I did an afternoon shoot. And that was the day that Tyler came to visit me. And to be honest, I was having a very hard time finding good pictures, finding good stories. I was, I was exceptionally shy at that point, not very confident with my camera. And so I was doing a lot of hiding behind balls, um, actual <laughs> And I just wasn't really getting myself physically into the moment and so the most exciting thing happened while tyler was there and there was this guy who had been frequenting the bowling alley for like i don't know 20 years or something and he was gonna be bowling what was it tyler like ten thousand dollars it was like a a, an insane amount of money and he he had to get was it a strike or a spare i don't don't don't
1: know. know something hard
2: something hard. And so Tyler's like, you better be ready. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so shy. And I was like, okay, okay. And he's like, you gotta be ready either way. Like, right. If he gets it, there's going to be all this commotion and everyone's going to be celebrating. If he doesn't get it, it's going to be equally like emotional, right? If he misses the shot and he rolled the ball down or he bowled the ball down and he got it. And like, the pins went everywhere and, and everyone's celebrating. And I was, I was like on the outside of this bubble of people like cheering and what have you. And I just, Tyler was behind me, physically pushing me and going, get in there and get the shot. Get, it! Just get in there and get the shot. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying. Now the, the point of the story is like, I totally missed the photo. I, I to I like <laughs> messed it up, but I've never forgotten that. Like, like, I'm not kidding. It's one of these pivotal moments in my life, not just in my photographic career, where I have never forgotten that the physical feeling of you have to get in there and get the shot. And I feel like to this day, I'm a better photographer because of that moment with Tyler.
0: I love that story. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I feel like so many photographers are introverts and I, I am one. You would never know it since I host a, a podcast, but I would much rather be on the couch watching a movie with my husband and my kids than like out anywhere in, in a crowd of people. <laughs> so I love that you you told that story because I feel like a lot of photographers need that push. They They, they need that push to get in there, get that shot. So, oh gosh, I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, that's why I had her tell it, because she's a better uh, a better storyteller. I would just say something like, like, kicked her butt and made her do it. But uh, no, it's fine. Yeah. But ever since then, I mean, ever since that uh, that workshop, we've been BFFs, right? You know, so there's a lot of life changes and everything. And so it's just, uh, she's, she's one of those people that it just makes life brighter. And even if we don't talk for a long time, it's one of those, like, just feels like yesterday when we come back together. So. That's the story there, for sure.
2: That is the best kind of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I've had several mentors and teachers throughout my life. And I've worked as a teacher a lot, both little kids and then adults with photography. And it, it doesn't always happen, right? You don't always, you always take something from your teachers and mentors, but you, that connection and chemistry and the, the imprinting on you It's not the same ever. And I feel like the moment Tyler and I started working together, it was something very special for me. I'm not going to speak for him, but I I think (laughs) speak to what he's saying. There was something really special in terms of a friendship chemistry where we really understood each other, even being so different, because we we're, were very different in a lot of ways. But I adore Tyler and appreciate him. And he's always my mentor in some way, like I'm always learning something from him. And that's very sacred and special to me. And I just say that out loud, because to encourage people when you find that to really hold on to that and, and acknowledge that that that, that is something special that happens in life. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: Very well said. And the student becomes the teacher for me as well. So this is a really great chemistry and, and, and she's absolutely right. Like when you find that, that person, be it a mentor, be it a, a colleague or whatnot to kind of help that helps push you in the right way, you hold on to that dearly. So it's wonderful. So anyway, yes, <laughs> we, we go way back and we, um, obviously, uh, uh hate each other. So, um, <laughs> that, uh,
0: <laughs> so where are you both now in your photography career
1: oh my gosh that's a very loaded question right like I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up right <laughs> if you've ever heard Ira Glass talk about the gap you know and and basically the gap is when you're in between levels you're in between careers you know whatever you're just trying to kind of go to the next level. And that's the thing about this is like, so Kirsten said, like, you know, the word journey is kind of cheesy, but it's true, right? It's, you never truly get to the end of the road with all this, Mm -hmm. right? As a young photographer, that, that really frustrates you because you want to get there. And I use air quotes, right? You want to get there as fast as possible, but there is no there, right? Once you realize that, then you're like, all right, I know, I know what the path is, like, 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 I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so as I get older, and as my life changes, then the way I see the world changes, right. And so then I just try and figure out what I'm doing. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm currently trying to still chase my regret of getting out of photojournalism as early as I did. So what, 20 some odd years later, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to get to that place where I can I can take my work and my storytelling, not even necessarily to a, to a different level, but to a different purpose. I've been doing weddings and families for so long and, and still do, but I just want to do more. I'm working on telling stories in a different way, using multimedia and uh, making videos and stuff like that to try and get to a place where that work can go to even a greater good is, is what my hope is.
2: Tyler and I are both kind of in this transitional period. -hmm. Where I'm not I've never been too content with schedule or prediction. (laughs) (laughs) I love how he laughs. laughs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's also I really know Kirsten laugh too. Like (laughs) he knows exactly who I'm talking about. Right.
0: (laughs) You guys just know each other so well. (laughs) Yeah,
1: sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I,
2: I like unpredictability. I don't like, I don't particularly love structure. And so I'm known to get antsy if I'm doing something for too long. Mm -hmm. That being said, I really love day in life sessions and photographing families. I don't think that'll end per se, but I, maybe it's turning 44, but I have, or maybe it's reading this book that I just read called get rich lucky which is terrible it's a it's an awful title i'm sorry to the writer but she's brilliant and she talks about this book is all about your relationship with success Mm -hmm. and money and your relationship with how you let the outside world and other people inform How you should feel about success, specifically women, and how women in general have a really hard time, at least outwardly acknowledging that they want success, want to be successful, and want to be financially stable. I want to be financially stable beyond financially stable, right? And I want to be able to have the financial means to feel in such a comfortable place that I can do all the personal projects and storytelling and giving back that I want without having to worry or sacrifice about my financial stability and also be okay with saying I want to be successful. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at. And because of that, I'm definitely gearing my commercial work in a different place to make more money and have more time. So business storytelling, advertising, uh, storytelling through advertising, working with larger companies, working with large brands, that is really where I'm going at this point in terms of my income. Mm -hmm. And it's really exciting because this is the time to do it right now. It was already started, but through the pandemic, there's really been a shift in gears for marketing and how companies can relate to the everyday consumer. And it's not with this idealized, perfected, Version of what life is and what their consumers, who their consumers should be. and it's so it's an exciting time. I feel like for me going in that direction because I feel confident in my storytelling and relating to the everyday person because I am one, and then also getting paid a bucket load to do that. <laughs> <don't give> <laughs> <name>. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at, and it's all a means to an end so that I can actually do the really important work without worrying about that, that paycheck Mm -hmm. attached, to it, if that makes any sense. Definitely. It does. It does. I like how both
0: of you, instead of just knowing where you are, a lot of photographers will say, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm shooting newborns or I'm a family photographer. Both of you seem to have this in-depth knowledge of where you want to go. And it's more than just photographing families or whatnot. Like, I just love your understanding of where you are in your business. I think that's pretty amazing that you both kind
2: of have, I don't know, a, a broader idea. Tyler, would you say that age plays a part in that? Because for me, it does.
0: Yeah. So how
1: how old are you now?
2: Me? I okay. just turned 44. So Forty- I'm like feeling middle age. Middle, I'm middle age. <laughs> yeah. I'm middle aged.
1: Yeah. So... You haven't turned 45 yet. That's when <laughs> everything goes to
0: <laughs> all changes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so, right? I think I think I think with age comes clarity. That to me is the best part of, of of growing older. And the way that that connects to photography is it's no different than when I was shooting weddings, let's say, at one point I realized and I had this like lightning bolt of clarity hit me. I realized what truly matters, right? In life. And I realized that about 70% of what happens at weddings doesn't matter. Right. And so, and that's probably higher. I'm probably higher on that percentage now. And so, but that's why I love shooting weddings is because I, you know, with the clients I get, we're focusing on on what matters. And that clarity helps you in and not only life and knowing where you want to go and what your dreams are, but it also helps in photography, because especially as a documentary photographer, you've got to have that clarity of what you're looking for. Right. So and, in order to photograph it properly. And so I think I think, yeah, I think I think age age certainly helps with that, because, you know, once you can settle into yourself and have that clarity, it's really quite freeing and it's fun to to really know what you're going after.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So both of you offer day-in-the-life type of sessions. Why is that style of photography so important to both of you?
2: There's the logistical, selfish reasons for me, and then there's the much larger scope that I I really am now identifying with. This last year has been quite brutal and transformative for me, Personally, and I think it might have something to do with <laughs> 44 was just a scare that was my scary age, and I just turned it. But the selfish thing is, I was I shot weddings for a long time, I've shot over 500 weddings in my career. But it actually was this realization it's not even a realization, it's the ownership that I am not the most professional of human beings. I'm not good at being what is defined as professional, that socially accepted politeness and the the proper way to behave in a professional setting is not something I have ever adhered to. And I acknowledge this mm-hmm. now learning why that is, there's a lot of reasons why, but with weddings, I just talked about this on Instagram live with weddings. I always had to be on and I had to like be on my best behavior. I'm not awful person but like I make jokes and I like to be really casual in conversation and I don't really like believe it or not I don't like to be in charge I don't want to also be the wedding coordinator and a lot of times that happens if they don't right. have one and I don't want to wear black well-fitted pants and the in a in a ironed shirt and <laughs> and photograph yeah. the same traditions and ceremonial rituals each week and see the same thing and say the same thing and be careful not to say the wrong thing. Like all those were reasons why I wanted to leave weddings because I, it felt, it became to feel like it was taking away from who I am. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to fully interact with my client's being completely me or not even my clients it's like everybody else and their you know family and friends so that's the selfish part why i left and why i started doing day in life sessions because i can be all those things mm-hmm. i can shoot the first three hours in my pajamas i don't have to do my hair and makeup i don't have to worry about making stupid fart jokes because kids really get them <laughs> i I don't have to have a list of the things that are going to happen all day long and make sure I don't miss anything, right? These are all, these are all things that selfishly why I switched. Now, the grander idea is also, it's how I want more of the world to be mm-hmm. specifically mothers is that I want them to feel a hundred and kids and, and dads too, and, and all the in between. I wish that we lived in a society where we were, there was way less judgment, way less unobtainable expectations placed on us existing and a lot more vulnerability put out in the world. And I can help contribute to that by doing day and life sessions, mm-hmm. by having families that trust me that I'm not going to judge them, that I love and accept them for exactly who they are and how they function and operate and celebrate all the uniquenesses and highlight how imperfection is what's perfectly beautiful about family life and about individuality and about life in general. And, and day in the life sessions for me, is my ability to contribute to what I feel like is a more idealized, healthy society.
0: So why do you, why do you like stay in the life sessions, Tyler?
1: <laughs> Every time I hear her talk, I'm like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. And so the same ideas minus the in-depth, you know, I, I don't, I don't get, I always joke that like, she's the artsy fartsy one of us of this power duo and, and I'm the normal guy. Right. But so what, so what happens is, is it's, it goes back to that clarity, right? And what's interesting is I do feel very similar to what she just said. I connect with that 100%. Especially in this day and age, social media is actually really damaging all of our uh, confidence in ourselves to what Kirsten just said. It's like, you know what? Let's just celebrate that imperfection. Celebrate people being themselves. And for me, it comes down to that clarity and for the future. So like what I do for my day in the life is, and most of my clients get this, is a, uh, you know, it's almost like by the end of the childhood, they have an encyclopedia collection of every year of their kids growing up. And I want that to be looked at down the road Cause I go, I go back to my families for sessions all the time and I hardly ever see any of my photos like up on the wall or anything, because for them, they want that book and they want that record of that childhood. So that way down the road, those kids can look back and really see what growing up was like for them. Right. And that, and that's kind of how I go into it as a, as a family historian kind of a approach, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's so important too. To really capture what you know, what life was like growing up. My favorite photos when I look back at ones from my childhood are ones where I am doing something in the house that I I don't live in anymore that I want to remember. Where yeah. the animals that we had, all of those things that really make up your childhood. I think it's so important to to capture those moments. So I I, I love what you guys do.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks. You know, so many people feel so so inadequate about their life and what i tell people is what you might find ordinary i i find extraordinary and i want to just celebrate that you know and so and you can't do that by staging it or posing it or trying to make it happen right it just literally doesn't work and so the only way to do that is to is to do the approach that we do which is a complete hands-off documentation of what's happening you know authentic
0: I know that when we chatted before, one of you mentioned that finding what is at the heart of the story has helped a lot while shooting. Can you guys tell our listeners more about that?
1: Yeah. So what that means is I, you know, I said this earlier about documentary photography and the key to documentary photography and storytelling is to know what you're looking for, right? Because that's one of the biggest things I noticed with, with a lot of the mentoring and teaching I do is, is that, you know, photographers, overall, a lot of people struggle with knowing what to look for. And so what happens is, is if we don't know what we look for, then we're just trying to shoot everything. And we end up trading coverage for good photos, essentially, and hoping that it all comes together. Whereas if you, if you learn the people, learn their story, understand what is going to help you to anticipate the pictures you're looking for, and get to the heart of what this is all about, then you're going to be able to have that clarity to walk around and know that, you know what, you can't do it all. So why don't we just focus on the things that really matter? And in the end, you come out with a collection of pictures that is uh, ultimately stronger than, than just a whole smorgasbord of everything. That's, that's how I look at it in that very practical, kind of straightforward way. But
2: it works. I agree with everything Tyler just said. The only thing I'll add, this is where like I go into the, <laughs> the whoo-hoo like, spot Yeah, <laughs> uh, is, and you know, I, I've thought a lot about that, Tyler, about why, like, I, I always take it even deeper in terms of a personal level. It's because, that's all you talk about in art school, right? If you're in like a traditional fine art program, it's all about your own expression. Like, what are you saying through the this work that you're making? So if I transfer that to photography, I think a lot of the time, at least with commercial work and commercial, meaning your subjects are paying you. So weddings, family, there is, there can be a very strong amount of pressure to deliver pictures that they're expecting, right? Mm-hmm. Shotless at weddings, for example. I even know, like, some photographers prefer to ask families a whole bunch of questions to prepare for the shoot, but that means then the pictures are based on what your clients are expecting you to make. Mm-hmm. I'm someone, when we're talking about the heart of the story, I'm someone who says, give yourself permission as the storyteller to also include yourself in the pictures that you are making for your clients. And by that, I mean, allow your personal experiences, everything that has shaped who you are as a person and what you believe about the world to influence what stories you identify, whether it's in single pictures or a narrative as important, like allow yourself to identify what you find funny, what you find interesting, what you find unique about the people that you're photographing. And in the end, if you trust yourself and you have this certain amount of confidence in your perspective about life and using and allowing the camera to communicate that to the world, that you will automatically make your clients happy. And then the heart of the story is joined to your own heart because it is an extension of also who you are.
0: Everything you just said reminds me of one of the very first episodes we have, I think it was like six or seven with Wilson Lau. He talks about how he doesn't shoot for his clients anymore. He was a wedding or is a wedding photographer and how he doesn't work off of shotless and whatnot. He shoots for himself, which is exactly what you're saying. And as soon as he started doing that, he his photos were phenomenal. They, they were so much different than, you know, the standard photos that he was getting at every single wedding. So I, I really like that you bring that up. If someone is wanting to start, you know, getting into more day in the life type of sessions where it's more, you know, not so posed, more candid and just real life images. What tips do you have for them for like getting into that, you know, just that type of photography.
2: Shoot a lot, photograph your friends and family family of friends, friends of family, make a lot of pictures. If you have a family of your own, start photographing your own family and just get comfortable at having to let go of all (laughs) control. (laughs) And the beautiful, this is the, this is the irony I find in this advice that I give. The more you give up control of what's (laughs) happening, the more control you have over your decision-making. Because it's actually once there's limits on what you can and can't do, you can take ownership of the things you do have control over. And, you know, traditionally with day in the life work and that term day in the life comes from journalism, right? Like the lots of journalism stories throughout the last century, day in the life sessions are just these exposés on, you know, a glimpse into someone's life a glimpse into the human condition and how we all can relate to one another. So traditionally, it's unspoken rules that are followed. You don't interfere. You don't ask people to do things over again. You you let life exist as it is and develop on its own in front of you. And then you respond to that with your camera and, and with your camera alone. If you haven't done that before, it takes some practice to be like, oh, I f- can't ask them to do that again. Act ah, grab. Crap. <laughs> I probably shouldn't turn those lights on. I mean, some people do, but like if you want to get really good at it, the only control you give yourself is how you respond, Mm -hmm. right? Like how you're using your camera, where you're moving, where you're standing. Are you close or are you far? Are you using the light as rim light? Are you using the light as direct light? Everything about your decision-making can help also control or form the narrative, the story you're telling in each picture. So that would be lots of practice and be willing to make a lot of mistakes and don't care about it. Just, just put in the time and get used to it and then start putting your work out there. That that's my advice. I don't know what Tyler will say.
1: Yeah. Ditto. You know, that's what she said. Right. And, but I kind of chuckled when you said you got to let go. Yeah. Like, like that's, that is the number one thing. And it's so simple, right? It's just, it's, it's such, Everything that you and I teach is is a very simple concept to understand, but it's very difficult for people to do in practice, and that's because you you know this photography stuff becomes kind of a muscle memory way of doing things, and and I've always said like you know the students that ad, that don't have a lot of experience actually grow faster because there's nothing for them to undo. You've got to just get out there and basically just throw every idea you've ever you 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 currently have about photography out the window and rely on serendipity to happen and rely on life to be more creative than you ever could be, which it is, by the way. And then the final part is, is just to trust all of that. So what happens to photographers, especially I went through all this and I'm sure Kirsten, you did too, but in the commercial world where you're, you're plopped into this situation, people are paying you and you've got to produce. It's really difficult to just trust that it's all, always going to happen. But once you trust that process and life will, the photo gods in life will reward you with the pictures that are presented to you. And so it's no different than when you, we jump on this podcast. And we don't really know what you're going to talk about. We just know <laughs> that we can figure it out, right? We just know that it's going to happen. It's that same process, but with photography.
2: This is a great way to connect what Tyler just said. If you can learn that your camera is a means of having a conversation, you're going to go a lot further faster in terms of storytelling. If you can allow yourself to just be present in a moment and ask questions, like internally ask questions that are driven by curiosity in a scene, and then answer those questions with your camera, you are now having a conversation with what is happening. And ideally, this kind of photography is storytelling in nature. And if we think about all the ways that artists tell stories, through their music, through their writing, through painting, through drawing, it's all inviting the viewer to have an actual conversation in some way with the art that's being made, right? There's like, there's a give and take. That it's, it's, it's a transaction, ideally whether it sparks your own questions or elicits emotion within yourself, or it's like nostalgia and it brings you back to a time in your own life that you remember all of that is like a conversation. And ideally that's what we're hoping to get from our stories, even outside of just telling a very simple story. This is about this person and this is what they do and this is who they are. But we also want that exchange to happen between the maker the subject matter and the viewer as well.
0: If our listeners don't go pick up their camera after this episode and just try to document something, if they have a family or even if a dog neighbors next door, I will be very surprised because that's all I want to do right now is go grab my camera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mission accomplished.
0: Yes. <laughs> so if we want to find you all on um, social media, where can we find you?
1: I don't post as much as uh Kirsten does. She's really good at it. Instagram is just at Tyler Workin and Facebook is Tyler Workin. It's W-I-R-K-E-N. And I also have a page on there for my new uh, like commercial stuff is uh, Working Media, W-I-R-K-E-N Media, M-E-D-I-A.
2: Perfect. And Kirsten? I'm Kirsten L. Photog is on Instagram. And I'm actually getting ready to launch a Kirsten Lewis education on Instagram to separate like all my tips for photography. And I'm going to start going live every week. And so that's just going to all move over to Kirsten Lewis education. Facebook is Kirsten Lewis photographer. You can search that. I can try and make room for friends under the Kirsten Bethman, like that's my personal profile, but they limit you to 5,000. So usually I just have to post something super controversial and that like frees up some space. <laughs> <laughs> I can add more people. I'm like, that's really going to piss some people off? Okay, so- He's really
1: know. good at controversies. So.
2: <laughs> Get rid of them. Okay, now I have some room. Um, oh my gosh, you guys crack me up. I'm getting ready to- launch my new website, but it's still the same address, Kirsten And the new Kirsten Lewis education should be up soon. And Tyler and I are teaching a class that starts. Yes. Tell us
0: more.
1: <laughs> yes, we are. So so Kirsten and I have taught together many times. And you know we both have our own teaching platforms, right? The way this came about is right at the start of the pandemic, I kind of dove into more of my teaching platform. And so I have, uh, it's called the Workshop Series, W-I-R-K, Workshop Series. That's what my uh, teaching is. And I have a teachable site now that is all that. But I started doing a lot of like kind of content and stuff like that. And now I was having guests on. And so Kirsten and I did a uh, critique together, which we have done so many times. And after that, we were like, "Ah, I forgot how fun that was. We need, to, uh, we need to do something together. <laughs> so, so, so that's where this class was born. Kirsten can talk more about it because she understands the uh, in-depth thing. But uh, I am just super honored to be a part of it with her and uh, kind of dive into some uh, real, real storytelling uh, class is going to be fantastic. So she'll kind of tell you more about it.
2: It's a photographer storytelling class. It's uh, six months long and there's a one-month storytelling assignment, a two-month storytelling assignment, and a three-month storytelling assignment. So slowly building on longer form storytelling with more access to your subjects. And this is the first time I've ever done this type of program, actually, where it's basically all personal project, like if we're being honest. And then we're weaving in there how you how you make money with this. And so taking all those skills from storytelling, your friends, your neighbors, the people next door, maybe even your own life, and then apply that to your local businesses. And that you can really, A, make an impact on your community by highlighting beautiful mission statements and sincerity from your companies, especially, you know, homegrown ones, your your local owned ones, and how to, create this very beneficial mutual relationship between you and local businesses that you can continue to grow and make a really great steady income and still be able to storytell.
0: That is wonderful. And sounds amazing. If we, if our listeners want to learn more about that, where can they find more information?
2: I'll post something about it on my Instagram. And then if you go to my Facebook page, the Kirsten Lewis education, it's right there. The link is right there and you can check it out.
0: All right. And we'll add all of that to the show notes too. So it's easy for all of our listeners to find. And thank you guys again for joining me. This has been so fun.
2: Yeah. Well, we're thrilled. And also just a side note, thank you so much for your patience. Cause I know we tried to do this a little bit earlier and I had some personal stuff that I had to attend to. So I really appreciate you being flexible with rescheduling for us. Of course, of course.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Find Your Focus Podcast with Shootproof. Make sure to visit shootproof.com backslash podcast for the show notes and any links that we talked about today during this episode. If you love this episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and hit that five-star button. If you ever have feedback or questions for us, feel free to reach out at podcast at shootproof.com.